Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. It's Monday, the 29th of August, 2022. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Welcome, welcome. Um, Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you can receive every morning in your inbox. Um, If you go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for the Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Today's uh, comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. So every word of God proves true. Um, Let me just follow up with this question. Do you take God at his word? Do you take God at his word? Do you take, um, do you accept and trust what God has said because God is the one who has said it? If I take you at your word, then I'm demonstrating that I respect you and I trust you. Well, the same holds true when we take God at his word. We demonstrate that we respect and we trust him. The reverse is also true. If we don't take God at his word, then we are demonstrating, we are proving that we don't respect or trust him. Every word of God proves true. How do we prove that we are paying attention to every word of God, that we take God at his word. Well, we demonstrate that we respect and trust him. So what is the Bible? I mean, is the Bible trustworthy? Maybe this is a a question you have asked yourself. Maybe you're wondering, um, well, why should I trust the Bible as the word of God? Um, Well, the Bible says a lot about itself when it comes to um, this particular topic. First of all, the Bible is inspired. It is the inspired word of God. It is God-breathed, as if God exhaled Scripture. That's actually what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And yes, as soon as I say that it's inspired and it's God-breathed, you're going to say, well, but human beings wrote it down. Yes, that's absolutely true. The Word of God comes to us through God's self-revelation and cooperation with human beings who literally wrote it down. But those authors weren't writing whatever came to mind. They were recording the things that God inspired them to write. God breathed it, and the authors of the scriptures, the, the writers, wrote it. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And you say to yourself, well, how can I know it's true? Because God is truth. Again, looking at what the Bible says about itself, (laughs) On the point of its truthfulness, we read every word is described as flawless, 
You can check out Psalm 12 or this passage in Proverbs um, chapter 30, verse 5. It's eternal. It's unbreakable. It's boundless in perfection. It's completely reliable. Jesus affirmed it uh, concisely in this way. John 17, 17. God's word is truth. So take Jesus at his word that the Bible is God's word and that it's reliable and true. I have a lot more to say about this, but it doesn't all fit in uh, the couple of minutes that we have here at the opening of the show. So you want to get the show notes for today. It'll all be included there. Um, If you go to MyFaithRadio.com later today and click on the podcast for this show, you'll get all the show notes, including my complete thoughts on today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day um, and pretty much what the Bible says about itself in terms of being trustworthy and true. Tara Cole is going to join us next. She's the author of Everyday Prayers for the School Year. You may know her from Million Praying Moms. Kids are headed back to school. Moms are on their knees for our kids. So we're going to be equipped um, for Everyday Prayers for the School Year. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Tara Cole is joining us. She's a teacher, a wife, a mom to three active boys. She is a um, an author, and she heads up the Million Praying Moms. Tara, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Let's start with a Million Praying Moms. Are there really a Million Praying Moms? I bet there are more than a Million Praying Moms. I bet there are. I have <laughs> been blessed to be blessed by that ministry by um, Brooke McLaughlin and Aaron Mooring for close to a decade now. Um, so, yes, they have uh, started out as the Mob Society, so for mothers of boys, but praying God's <laughs> word over their children has always been a core value of that ministry. And so a few years ago, um, Brooke and Aaron changed the name to Million Praying Moms. And so they are working towards a million that their ministry blesses. Oh, that is so awesome. I kind of like the idea of a mob, too. Mothers of boys. That's um, yes. that's, that's so great. That's so <laughs> great. Um, so you have developed this wonderful, very tangible, um, I mean, I'll describe it as succinct. It's small uh, resource. Mm-hmm. Everyday Prayers for the School Year, a 30-day devotional and reflective journal for moms. For moms who have never sort of done this in an intentional way, this is so great. I mean, it's wonderful for those of us who are already praying for our kids, you know, as they head mm-hmm. off to school. But for moms who have never, like, done it as a as a practice and, and written things down and kind of been intentional, talk about the um, the intentionality of this. Because that, that's, I think, one of the gifts of this devotional is that um, it's not just words on a page. There's actually these interactive sections that's just so helpful. Right, because we don't only want to um, help you with a devotional, encourage you to read your Bible, but we also want you to interact with God and His Word. So um, there's a thank, pray, praise method that we have for you to journal and then some discussion questions. But really, that's to get you thinking about what you've read and how it applies to your life, to um, encourage you to pray your own prayers. So we give you a prayer that is directly from God's Word. And then um, to praise him for what he's already doing in your life so you know you can trust him for the future. So I like the way you have these different um, 
you know, foci of prayer. So you offer one um, about children finding wise friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, finding finding friends is, I think, you know, for kids, like, right? They go to school. We, we are hoping they're learning something, but really they're hoping to find a friend. Um, talk with us about why it's so important for us to be praying that our children would find wise friends and that they find wise friends. Well, this was brought about from watching my own children grow. And as I um, did research and talked to my mentor moms, one of the things that came up over and over was to get your kids from 10 to 20 successfully. um, And uh, successfully, I mean by uh, godly men and women. It's really what's successful in my book. Um, Then they needed some good friends. Their friends have a huge influence on them during that decade. And so I just started intentionally praying for my children to have godly friends. And at that time, they really didn't have any. Um, we've been in the same school district for several years, but my oldest son had never really clicked with anybody. He hadn't found his people. And um, I have seen God bless that prayer in spades. It took five years, honestly. It wasn't a quick answer to prayer. But even last night, I saw him hanging out with his friends, and I was like, Thank you, God, so much for this gift of these friendships. We had to wait five years on them, but it's so been worth it. He was having so much fun last night with that group of kids. And because it took longer for that prayer to be answered, I am so much more grateful for its answer. I don't forget that that was an answer to prayer. Mm, it's so good. So in the Everyday Prayers for the School Year, which is a 30-day devotional and reflective journal for moms, Tara Cole is the author Um, If you looked at day four, may they find wise friends, you're going to find a reading from Proverbs 1, 3, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Talks about um, Tara's own experience, but then an encouragement um, for us as we are thinking through praying for our kids in elementary school, middle school, high school and college, and then um, verses for us to study. Um, and then reflect on, and then specifically um, a place for us to journal our prayers. If you're saying to yourself right now, I I really need that. I want to be praying intentionally for my kids this year. We're giving away copies of Everyday Prayers for the school year today. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. More with Tara Cole in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Tara Cole. She is the author of Everyday Prayers for the School Year. And yes, we're giving away copies today to enter the drawing. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. You can connect directly with Tara at her website and from there, all her social media, Tara L. Cole, C-O-L-E, Tara L. Cole. Um, 
Tara, let's talk a little bit more about what what's in here. You um, you help us focus on um, teachers. You help us focus on our kids making wise choices, um, answering the question of you know helping them to commit to be to being studious. Um, you you deal with the issue of bullies um, when they're unprepared for a trust unprepared for a test. Will they trust God or will they cheat? I mean, there's some really practical stuff in here. Yes, as a teacher, my goal is to get very practical. Um, so oftentimes we think, well, God's word is for people out there. Or um, even as moms, we're like, well, what does that have to do with me on a Monday? I love that we're doing this on a Monday morning because I'm like, where is the Holy Spirit on a Monday? That's when I need him. And so <laughs> I really try to show families and especially moms that God is there with you throughout your day. And he is there with you on this Monday morning as you get your kids ready or at, if you're a homeschooling mom, as you get them up and ready to sit down for school, he is there with you and his word is practical and applicable to your life. And he cares for you. I loved your opening segment talking about how God's word is powerful because one of the basis for these prayers and this whole thought process of praying God's word over our kids comes from Isaiah 55, 11, where it says, is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And that's why we pray God's word over our kids because he's promised it will accomplish what he wants it to do. So why not pray it over them? Mm. Um, so one of the things that maybe you can help us um, think about in terms of prayer, because you are a teacher, um, mm-hmm. is how we pray for our children's teachers. Like I, you know, <laughs> I know my kid, right? So I know what his teacher is facing today, but she doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Like I know whether or not, I know what he had for dinner last night. I know whether or not he got to bed on time. I know whether or not, uh, you know, he um, exercised and ate well over the weekend and had good things happen or whether or not, you know, he had a fight yesterday with somebody or feels poorly about himself or physically not well. And and I know all of those things about him, but she doesn't. And he's not the only kid arriving in her classroom this morning. So talk talk with us about praying for our kids' teachers. Well, um, some of the verses we pray over them are um, about them having wisdom and insight into our kids. Because um, even as a mom, I might walk into a room where my kids are fighting and have no idea who's at fault. Mm-hmm. And so especially our teachers. I tend to jump to conclusions, by the way. Right. Me happens. too. I, I so, have to resist that, but I'm, yeah. And so I even started praying this for myself before I prayed it for their teachers was, God, give me wisdom and insight into the situation as I walk into this room. And as a teacher, I pray, Mm. God, please give me wisdom and insight as I walk into this classroom, because um, I think it lets us let the spirit lead us to be aware that he promises he's with us. He promises he'll give us wisdom. So why not ask for that? Because you're right. As teachers, we don't know everything we're walking into that day, but God does. And Mm. he can help guide our words to help us speak life where we may not even realize it's needed. He is capable. And so leaning into him for that wisdom and strength is um, something we pray over our teachers because he's capable. Why not ask him for it? I um, I love the day 30 reflection on the question, um, you know, encouraging through prayer, encouraging our kids to trust God um, from Proverbs 3, 
Uh, Tara offers us these words, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Uh, and then the lead off for that devotional on day 30 is, do you trust me? Talk about um, cultivating trust in God in our own lives and demonstrating it to our children so that they too might trust in the Lord with all their heart. Well, I think this is where um, we kind of reverse that idea from Matthew, where it talks about going into your closet to pray. Because when we have kids at home, we need to pray with them and for them so that they can see the answers to prayer. Because trust is built from them seeing God show up in our lives. So whenever we have a problem or a challenge or praying for a friend or something like that, um, even last week, I was having a, I was away from the house. I was having a problem. I can't even remember what it was. And I just texted my kids and my husband and a couple others saying, Hey, I need you to pray for this. And then almost immediately that prayer was answered. And I just jokingly, half seriously texted them back and said, I'm going to always ask you guys to pray because God has <laughs> already answered this prayer. So giving them the opportunity to see God answer prayers builds that faith and trust. It can be for little things. I think that day it was for something rather minor that was going on, but I just needed it to happen. Um, other days, it may be something huge. But when we invite them into our prayers, when we pray with them for others, then it gives them the opportunity to see that prayers answered and build that trust muscle in their own lives. Just um, just yesterday in worship, um, my pastor was preaching on uh John 16, but we've been in John 14 to 16 for several weeks. And this, you know, this like recurrent um, statement of Jesus that, you know, just ask, just ask, just ask. I know he's focusing on asking in his name, but just ask. Why are we so reticent to just ask God for what we need? I think sometimes we assume he knows, so he's going to give it to us. But um, I had a good demonstration of this just this week because um, my stepdad makes the best cakes ever. (laughs) Um, And um, I have three boys with birthdays. And so two of them never thought to ask him to make a cake. But the third one, um, we had his birthday party just this weekend, asked his grandfather months in advance to make him this carrot cake for his birthday because it's the best carrot cake ever. (laughs) And so... I thought, you know what, that my stepdad was always willing to make that cake for any of them. But to get the cake, they had to ask. It was there and available, but they had to ask for it. And I thought, that's how it is with God a lot of times. He's capable. He is there and willing. He just wants us to ask. And I think in the asking, it does something for our hearts. It makes us more grateful. It makes us realize where these blessings come from. Because if he just gave them to us, if like if we just gave our kids everything they needed without them asking, they would kind of be come and tie the little brats. Um, but whenever we ask God, it helps us to remember what, who's the source. And it helps mm-hmm. us to hopefully trust the blesser over the blessing that he's giving us in our lives. That's so good. Um, I mean, as you just noted, there are things that God's going to give us whether we ask or not because he knows we need them. There are some things that he's never going to give us, no matter how many times we ask, because he knows best. And then there are those things um, that he's only going to give us when we ask. 
Um, he's waiting to be asked. And I appreciate that you um, help us bring that into such good focus for our kids and their teachers, for people they're going to encounter who may be good friends, um, people they're going to encounter who may be bullies. Um, there's a lot covered here in um, in this very brief 30-day devotional. Again, it's Everyday Prayers for the School Year. Tara Cole is the author. You can find her online at Tara L. Cole. Um, and that's a great place to um, connect directly with Tara and all her resources, TaraLCole.com. And if you want to enter the drawing for the copies of Everyday Prayers for the School Year we're giving away today, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Tara, what a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us and blessing um, on the ministry as well. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Absolutely. It's a real joy. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We're going to take a moment with Max Lucado and Upwards. All right, join me if you uh, if you know what I'm doing. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Blast off! There's a two-hour launch window. <laughs> it opens this morning at seven thirty-three a.m. Central Time. Eight thirty-three. Uh, Eastern Time for NASA's new space launch system, the SLS Moon Rocket and Orion capsule from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. So it's called the Artemis One mission. Um, it's a big milestone for NASA's effort to send people back to the moon. And so it's the first time since 1972. Pretty exciting stuff, um, at least for those of us who like the countdown. So uh, let's be praying for, well, let's be praying for God's will to be done. And let's be praying for um, safety. Let's be praying for precision. Let's be praying for um, a good outcome, right? So uh, it's going to be going to be pretty fun. Lots of eyes toward the sky, or at least eyes toward um, YouTube and television, uh, which will all be airing it apparently live. Um, probably lots of count- lots of counting down. So there you go. That's happening. Um, Daniel Bennett's going to join us next. We like to cover. The intersection of um, the Christian worldview and political life. And so we're going to talk um, about how Jesus is with us and how we are with him, abiding in him and with him graciously and wisely as we seek to engage culture and the political climate of the day. It, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but we're really, really talking about bringing old things to bear on contemporary realities. That's up next. Here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship blog. That's where I found what we're going to be talking about in our leadoff here today. Arm Her Soldiers with the Cross, Why a 150-Year-Old Hymn is Instructive for Christians Engaging Politics and Culture. Daniel Bennett, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me, Carmen. 
Okay, so uh, somebody named Thomas Pollock 150 years ago wrote a hymn. Your family still sings it in the context of um, of worship at the church where you attend, and you think it has relevance uh, to us today. Yeah, you know, with so many of these these hymns uh, that, that we sing every Sunday, at least for me, it becomes almost, and this is a danger, I think, almost kind of just going through motions and uh, the words become so familiar. But for whatever reason, this pa- a couple Sundays ago, the lyrics of this particular hymn really resonated in terms of the the duality or the uh, the paradoxical nature, maybe, of how Christians are to be in the world, yet not of the world. We have this foremost confidence and hope in in Christ. Uh, that does not mean we we will necessarily win earthly battles, right? The, our, our, our victory is secure, right? Eternally, we can be confident about that. Um, but we must be prepared for whatever comes, including... Uh, including the occasional defeat here on earth. Um, and so I thought that hymn kind of balanced that particular, uh, that paradox pretty well. So it is, um, it's an old hymn, and therefore it has some old words. It has some words in it that I might have to think about and consider. And I think sometimes when we're singing, one of the reasons that I can't think long about what I'm singing is I have to think about a particular word. Like dross yeah. may not be something that I you know, or beseech, like, right. So talk with us about this, this verse, because this is the one that you, that you start with. Consider this verse, arm her soldiers with the cross, brave to suffer toil or loss, counting earthly gain, but dross, we beseech thee, hear us. So arm her, who are we talking about? Um, What does it mean to, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of walk through, walk through what this verse means. So that first line, arm her soldiers with the cross, uh, the, the writer is speaking to the church. Uh, the, the title of the hymn is Jesus with thy church abide. And it's a series of, it's a s- series of verses talking about or praying on behalf of the body of Christ in the church. And so arming her soldiers, the, the church's soldiers, we as the body with the cross, uh, that line is something that we can probably just gloss over unless you really stop and look at it. We're being armed with this. Now, we, we as Christians see the cross as this victory, right? But to the world, the cross, especially in the time of Jesus, was this ultimate uh, humiliation, right, of being crucified and publicly, no less, right, that would take hours and hours and sometimes days. And so we are to be armed with this instrument of Roman torture that we can then refashion for for glory, of course, Um her people, the church's people, are being called uh, to be brave, to suffer toil or loss. Uh, we should be brave not only to go into battle and expect wins and expect victories, but also to lose, uh, particularly against a world that is going to be antagonistic at uh, at worst to the gospel. Uh, and then this, this line really did stick with me here. The gains that we make and the wins that we do make here on earth without any other implications for the kingdom should be considered as rubbish, as garbage. That's what dross is, right? It's, it's something that's worthless. Um, and so even the biggest things that we win here on earth, our biggest accomplishments here on earth, we should as Christians still consider these things to be worthless apart from and absent from the glory that's to come. Mm. See, I think that is just so helpful um, to think through 
that doesn't sound like a, I'm a health and wealth gospel, that we would be brave right. to suffer toil and loss or counting earthly gains but dross. But let's let's press forward. Um, the next verse says, may she holy triumphs win, overthrow the hosts of sin, gather all the nations in, we beseech thee, hear us. Yeah, so I, as I said in the piece, it does seem a little paradoxical at first, right? The verses, the previous verse is set up to say, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a bad time, right? You you you're being armed with this this weapon that's not even really a weapon from earthly standards. But then in the next verse, or one of the one of the uh, later verses, uh, the the hymn writer is praying that the church wins holy triumphs, that we overthrow sin, that we gather the nations in. And this, I don't, I think these fit really well together. I think it's a matter of where our priorities lie. As Christians, again, it's our priorities between our earthly citizenship and our heavenly citizenship. The church should be focused on these holy triumphs, not things that pass away temporally, but things that last, things that are forever. Uh, That's where we are equipped through the good news of the gospel to win against sin and death. We can, by the work of the Holy Spirit, overthrow the hosts of sin, Um, you know, certainly making gains in this life and ultimately uh, ultimate victory in the next. Uh, And then, of course, the Great Commission calls us to spread this good news everywhere. Um, And so it really is a matter of what our priorities are and what we count to be to the utmost importance. We might not always win the cultural or political battle of the day. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. It does mean we should be prepared uh, for the occasional defeat. But in the grand scheme of things, we should be confident that the church has been equipped to win these better and lasting victories. We talk about um, nations. We see nations even in um, in Revelation. Hmm. And so it's not as if nations are something that don't matter to God or that uh, he's unaware of or not considering. Um, I think here in the language of um, of the writer of the hymn, gather all the nations in, we're talking about all kinds of people from all kinds of places and every nation under heaven. And I think when we, when we remember as Christians that that's how big the kingdom of God is, that's how inclusive the kingdom of God is, it does, it, it does create a tension with the way we think about the here and now and where we live and the importance of our own time and place. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, I'm a political scientist, and I'm used to thinking about nations in the context of global politics and countries competing with one another for power and security. Uh, but as a Christian, it is so encouraging to remember that, you know, as an American Christian, uh, I, I am but one in a much larger global body. Uh, a, a body that looks very different, that practices different depending on where we are in the world. And there's beauty in that uh, diversity, not in the sense of not, not diversity for diversity's sake, but the diversity and the beauty of the entire kingdom. It's something that we should be celebrating and that should give us hope in the midst of temporary, at least for us, temporary setbacks here at home, maybe. Mm. So good. So good. Um, one of the words that you use very early in this piece um, in relationship to, you know, your own experience at church and the and the church where you worship, which, by the way, I appreciate you invite us all to attend. Like, that's so nice. That's right. 
Um, right. That's so good. We ought to be doing that. Um, but you describe um, it as a traditionally liturgical church. There may be some people listening who, first of all, they're not really sure what even traditional necessarily means because they've never been to church or they've only been to yeah. one kind. You know, they've only been to the church they've been to. So when you use the word liturgical, let's just talk about liturgy in general and then litur- traditional liturgical church specifically. Yeah. So liturgy, I think, is, is in danger of becoming a word that's, that's overused in, in some Christian circles. But at the same time, it's a word we can't really use enough. So the way I understand liturgy is just routine and pattern. It's a way that we can order our days to uh, follow a set sort of, of schedule, not for the sense of becoming rote or routinized, but to rather help us get in a particular mindset about who we are and uh, who we've been created to be. So actually, our church in the next couple of years will be going through the, the shorter catechism, um, one question per, uh, per, per Sunday. And these questions are really small or really short, but they kind of instill this set expectation about, about worship and kind of gathering us in the same place at the same time. And so that's how I, that's how I understand liturgy. And so with our church, for example, it's a very specific order of the service. Uh, a certain kind of hymn followed by a a short prayer followed by a shorter hymn and scripture reading. And for me growing up in what I would consider to be a non-denominational church, uh, you know, as a child, um, it's a very different way of doing church. I think there's value in all sorts of church services, but for this one, particularly in this moment, for me, it really does speak to me. Um, and traditional in the sense of we sing old hymns. <laughs> mm-hmm. We sing primarily old hymns. Uh, and again, there's nothing wrong necessarily with contemporary worship music. Uh, there, there's, there's a, you know, th- there's been some great worship to come out of the last 20 years. But for us, we tend to focus on what's what's been around for hundreds of years. And not only uh, is it maybe a reset for what we're used to culturally, but it also connects us back to an earlier period when the church uh, certainly looked different in terms of technology, but it kind of allows us to reach back to our past and draw on that same well uh, of worship. Yeah, it's um, in terms of when you said, you know, traditionally liturgical church, I'm thinking, all right, we're gathering around the word. We're we're having, you know, a public confession of sin and an assurance of pardon. There's a proclamation of the word. We're going to respond to the word, um, affirming what we believe using a creedal statement. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to follow the word out into the world. And yeah, in the midst of that, when we sing, the songs that we're singing are going to move across that same form. They're going to they're going to be moving with us across those um, uh, really theological moves that we're making as the people of God, doing our work, the, you know, doing our work, which is, you know, the liturgy. Um so you got me thinking, Daniel, as I was uh, as I was reading this, um, thinking back about something that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I know there was a, there was a lot of people making observations about um, the attraction of what we might think of as um, ancient forms of worship or ancient liturgy, um, the attraction that that has for new believers, for people mm. who didn't grow up in the church for uh, and for people who grew up in maybe evangelical churches and then um, and then left for a period of time 
but have had a, uh, you know, a, a renewing experience with the Lord. And now they're craving, um, mm. particularly creedal, um, you know, the way that congregations like you're describing move through creedal statements to actually train people up to catechize them because they missed it when they were yep. little. So anyway, yeah. it just um, it rang a lot. This this piece rang a lot of bells for me. Well, thank you. Yeah. And we see that with our students a lot, too, at, at John Brown University. And I imagine a lot of Christian college students uh, growing up in, in the church in the U.S. Um, there might be some familiarities across congregations, but uh, there's almost a desire for a richness and a deepness uh, that, that comes with these older uh, forms of worship. Again, not casting any shade on, on big churches, newer churches doing great things in their communities, but there is something unusual, foreign, and perhaps just kind of enticing about that style. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk next about an activist in Texas who is um, planning to create "In God We Trust" signs in Arabic. That's provoking an interesting conversation about religious liberty. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Jesus with thy church abide. Be your Savior, Lord and guide. All right, so this story out of Texas um, centers around a law in the state of Texas that actually requires public schools um, to display... Uh, the national motto, In God We Trust, in conspicuous places. The law also requires that the signs either be donated or purchased from private donations to the school. And so um, somewhere between the letter and the spirit of the law comes an activist who is also an artist um, who is trying to, I think, more than anything, provoke a conversation um, about religion and the intersection of religion and education in this case, um, but certainly religion and politics more broadly. So, Daniel Bennett, um, can you express to us what you saw and um, what maybe catches your attention as this activist plans to test the Texas In God We Trust law um, by by procuring and printing signs that say In God We Trust, but they say it in Arabic? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces to a seemingly pretty simple story. I mean, you touched on the law in, in general and just the creativity that states, Texas, including Arkansas, where I live, have gone to the lengths they've gone to to kind of skirt questions of, well, does this violate the establishment clause to have, you know, a school required to post these these uh, this language in God we trust? 
Um, and the state's basically saying, well, no, not if they're donated by private entities. And, you know, of course, private actors are going to jump at the opportunity to provide these signs. Um, my my kids' schools here, where we send them to public schools, uh, every classroom has an In God We Trust uh, poster in it, and they were all purchased or donated by private dollars. So it's a really interesting solution to a legal uh, problem is having this happen from private actors. But it does open the door to the types of situations that you're describing uh, to uh, potentially print and post these signs in, in, in Arabic. Um, now, obviously, like you'd said, this is probably meant to be provocative. It's meant to further a conversation, knowing that people are going to be, at least at first glance, somewhat uneasy about this. But and man, maybe this is just, and I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a libertarian at all, but maybe a civil libertarian. Uh, I just think this is, I think this is terrific, honestly. Uh, if this is the national motto, and uh, we are allowing private actors to fulfill the contours of this motto requirement um, in a public school setting, uh, what a great educational opportunity for kids to see, you know, a sign and maybe in one, one room that says in God we trust or in one school and then in the next school you see it in a totally different language um, with a different tradition. I think that's neat, uh, but obviously it does raise some cultural questions uh, that could make some people uncomfortable. So I think that um, the plan to print them in Hindi and in Spanish in addition to um, printing them in Arabic is an interesting part of this conversation. I also find myself wondering, um, does a Hindu person, what what does a Hindu person <laughs> mean when they say it? And do they mean the right. same thing when an, when a, when an Arabic speaking person says it? And is there, I mean, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with you. Like I, I don't find it offensive at all. I think that in God we trust should be something that can be literally spoken in any language under heaven, right? I mean, I, I right. in God we trust is a is a is frankly a declaration of faith. Um and so that's a different conversation probably to be having. Um right. and so I guess I I would ask the culturally sensitive question, um how does a native Arabic speaker feel about this statement being posted on a sign that has an American and a Texas flag on it, because that's the other part of the artwork um, in this particular case. I also suspect that um, that the next iteration of this will be in Arabic and in Spanish and or Hindi. And then yeah. you are putting you are putting them as um, you are putting them on a par on a sign. And I am not sure that. Particularly Muslims are going to feel as if that should be put on a par. It's probably okay with them that it's yeah. only in Arabic, but when it's put on a par in other languages, the word for God is going to change. Mm, yeah, that's absolutely right. And so this is the cultural issue. So there's, there's the legal side, and then there are actually probably multiple cultural implications here, right? There's the religious mm -hmm. liberty implication where we can kind of rejoice and, wow, what a great society that we live in to have these different confessions of sorts in different languages. Um, but then you talk about the individual traditions themselves. When Christians say, so, okay, when Americans say in God we trust, it's a reference to a civil religion that we have that maybe acknowledges that there is some creator that, depending on your reading of American history, has blessed the United States and has 
set it apart to do great things, right? That that's one very milk toast definition, right? If you're a Christian, when you say in God we trust, that that maybe carries with it different implications, right? Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you were a confessing, uh, practicing Christian, that motto is going to reign or uh, read differently than just generically, yeah, we trust God. No, it means deeper than that. There is a eternal trust that comes with that. And I'm not a scholar of Islam or or Hinduism or any of these other traditions, but yeah, I would imagine that that statement carries with it its own theological and cultural implications in those traditions. And so (laughs) it just shows the messiness that often comes when living in community with uh, one another. And I'm glad, frankly, that that this kind of conversation is happening. It would be really easy, for example, uh, for maybe a lawmaker in Texas to say, you know what, we don't like this. And instead of uh, running afoul of anyone's legal rights, we're just going to end the program altogether. No one says in God we trust in schools anymore. Um, I think that's a bad idea. And I'm glad that it's not happening. And I'm glad we can kind of have these conversations and hopefully solicit input from people of these different traditions to say, well, what what would a you know, should this even be on a sign from your tradition? Uh, what would it look like? How would it how would it best capture those values for your tradition? Um, so let's have the conversation, even if it doesn't mean even if it means that not everyone's going to be totally happy all the time. Let's at least talk it out and learn more about each other. Super interesting, right? Good, good opportunity for us to take a headline and um, bring our faith to bear and bring it into the conversations of the day. So, Daniel Bennett, thank you, as always, for helping us do that. Um, hey, there's an interesting um, conversation you might be uh, th- might catch your might provoke um, thought for you, and it's the question of whether or not the truth can be trademarked. So, could you do a little work on that before the next time we talk? Oh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll solve <laughs> it. No problem. Trade trademarking <laughs> the truth. All right, that's uh, that's Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University and on the Uneasy Citizenship blog. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, as we head back to school, um, I have gotten a number of emails lately about free courses this fall. That's right. Totally free courses this fall. So we're offering one here at Faith Radio. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for the free online Strong in Battle course with Susie Larson. It's going to start next week. So your time to to sign up for that is running um, quickly out. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for the Strong in Battle free online course with Susie Larson. Susie's actually going to join us in the next hour to talk about the book and to talk about the course. Hillsdale is offering a number of free courses this fall as is uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. So um, you don't have any excuse to not go back to school this fall. Free online here at MyFaithRadio.com and other places as well. So back to school for everybody. All right, we'll be back for another hour of Mornings with Carmen in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.